Welcome back, everybody. It's the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Martinez, and uh, we have a monster show today. I mean, just huge news. It's, it's, it's almost too much to break down and talk about, which is kind of ironic, you know, having a podcast, you have this space and, and you, you break down, you know, what's going on in the world of sports, you give your thoughts, your opinions, what you think is going to happen, all that good stuff, and then Tuesday happened, uh, Magic Johnson, or Irvin, he's not Magic anymore, he's Irvin Johnson now, Gets he's demoted from Magic, back down to Irvin, resigns as president of the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, before the season even officially ends, he he quit. He calls it quits about an hour or two before their final game starts. Uh, again, that they ended up losing. So I mean, there there was that. They were gonna lose that game no matter what. The Lakers are no good. Um, it it was just it was a wild night. It completely completely overshadowed the retirement or the final home games of both Dirk Nowitzki. And Dwayne Wade, they were I mean, just afterthoughts. It just broke, um, you know, just broke the sports world, broke Twitter. It, it was just monumental, and it was just so shocking to me. It was, it was really stunning. Even though this was something I actually got a sense for um, during March Madness, when the Michigan State games, you could see Magic Johnson went to a few uh, Michigan State games. And when I saw him there, and of course they put the camera on him because he's Magic Johnson. Whether he's president of the Lakers or not, he's a celebrity. They put the cameras on him, showed, said, um, you know, he's at the game. They showed him there with, this, with the student section, whatever. And that kind of, that, re- that really kind of stood out to me. Because what that said to me, and we're getting the show started off, we're getting right off the bat. Um, we have some, M- oh, the NBA playoffs are set. That's not even news. We're, we, we live in an NBA uh, season where the NBA playoffs is there it's not even news it's not worth you know leading off with that so we're going to break down the NBA playoff bracket later on but let's get to this first um and the quote of the week comes in this first segment because Magic Johnson in his like exit um you know is or is his uh resigning interview he had some great stuff to say so the quote of the week will be combined in this first part but anyway when I saw Magic Johnson in March Madness watching Michigan State um, it, even though he's an alma mater, you know, I, I get it. And he's a basketball ambassador. I get it. You're the president of quite possibly the biggest, most important, arguably the most successful franchise in not only basketball, but in sports in America. You're the president. You run it. You're just one step down from being the owner. And he's out halfway across the country. Um, watching Michigan State play, and that kind of what that told me is that he had checked out emotionally. You don't go to March Madness games with less than a month left in the season. You're with with the biggest summer quite possibly in your franchise's history, with all the free agents that are out there and the importance of landing one of those guys. You don't go out and watch games for fun. You don't, and I, I think it was the Duke and Michigan State game, but I don't feel like Magic Johnson was there scouting Zion Williams. He was in a Michigan State, you know, uniform. He was there cheering. He was there as a fan. He wasn't there as a president. He was there as Magic Johnson. And what that told me was that he has checked out emotionally. In that very moment, I, in real time, I said, he's, he's done. He, he's tired of this job. He's, he, he doesn't want to be, he, he's quitting. And I think I might have even said he's quitting or he's quit. But even still, after saying that and having that thought, 
Not in a million years did I think Magic Johnson would resign this season or even before this season has reached its, its um, completion. I was stunned. I thought it was, I honestly, I'm not going to lie. When I saw it, I thought it was like an April Fool's joke. After, you know, the April Fool's Day, I thought it was, I thought it was a joke. I really did. I could not believe it. I was stunned. Um, I thought of anything. I, I did feel like he had checked out of being president and checked out of the Lakers emotionally. But still, because you have the drafts coming up and you have this big summer, which is what Magic Johnson was brought in to do. He was brought in to be, um, you know, the, the recruiter for the Lakers and, you know, close deals with free agents. I thought maybe he would give it this go, give it a go this summer. And then when they inevitably didn't sign anyone or sign Jimmy Butler or, you know, just not who they intended, uh, he would probably resign by the beginning of next season before the All-Star break or before the trade deadline. That, that's what I thought. When he resigned, when he did, I was, I was stunned. I'm not so stunned that he resigned. I'm, I'm stunned about when he resigned. It was just unbelievable. Now, this decision that Magic John to, Johnson has made on his own and for his own good, not thinking about anyone else here. Just complete. This is a mad a decision by Magic Johnson for Magic Johnson, who seems quite frankly unconcerned with the mess that he leaves behind and the mess that he creates in the future, which is no he he has no part of now. He's created a situation where other people have to pick up for his decisions. It's created a domino effect, and the biggest question. The biggest reaction from this, you know, this avalanche uh, of um, just disastrous decisions and mistakes for the Lakers, the first reaction, and quite possibly the biggest reaction, is now what? What do the Lakers do? Specifically, what does Genie Bus do now going forward? Because before, the biggest problem was were the Lakers attractive enough to land a free agent? That was your biggest issue. Were they attractive enough? They have plenty of cap space. They're in LA, yes, but they're kind of dysfunctional. Is Luke Walton the coach? Um, was is Magic the right GM? Is Rob Palinka the right front office guy? Those are your biggest problems, but you know, there wasn't now those seem like really minute issues for the Lakers before like are we attractive enough? Now it, it, it's just it's insane what Magic Johnson has left behind. But anyway, let's get back to the original point. All the issues we had talked about before, if the Lakers don't land anyone, if you know, what are they going to do, what's Magic going to do? Now they're in a completely different hole. What does Jeannie Buss do now about the vacancy uh, for president of the Lakers? What does she do with now, now with Luke Walton? What does she do with Rob Palinka? There are so many questions that are unanswered that you have to answer before you even start to address before you even start to think about potential free agents. And I, I have to tell you, this just destroys any chance the Lakers had of signing any player that was relevant or on their radar. Because I don't understand why if you're Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Clay Thompson, specifically Clay Thompson, why you would go to such a destructive and you know discoordinated franchise when all those guys are in pretty you know, okay situations um, outside of Kemba Walker uh, being with the Hornets. I don't, but I still don't see how the Lakers are an upgrade for Kemba Walker. Um, and you look at the other guys, Kevin Durant in a well-run organization, the Warriors, Clay Thompson, the same thing, uh, Kawhi Leonard, 
Uh, the Raptors aren't, you know, traditionally the most well-kept franchise in the league, but they're they're certainly better well. They're more well-run than the Lakers right now. Kyrie Irving, the same thing. You have Danny Ainge as your front guy. You know, one of, maybe the best GM in the league right now outside of Jerry West. So why would you go to the Lakers with an aging superstar in LeBron who is... Granted, he had a great year. He had, he had like 27, 8, and 5 or something like that. He had a, a solid statistical year. But he is aging. And... He only has two years left on his contract. Or excuse me, he has two years left with a third, with an option for a third. But as I've said before, I do not believe for one second that LeBron is staying for all four years total of his deal. I think he's going to check out once that second year, once he gets through that, the third year, he's, he's going to decline his, uh, his option. So why would you come to Lakers, sign a max deal for two, maybe three years of LeBron? Right, and then look at the situation right now. No president, um, and potentially a president, if they were to promote Rob Palinka, who's had he's never had you know presidential experience, never had front office experience prior to this job. Um, Jeannie Buss, who seems like she's kind of loyal to a fault. What do you do with Luke Walton? Um, do you like Luke Walton? What if they fire Luke Walton and that was a that was a coach that you know potentially players were interested in playing for? The Lakers have so, and specifically Jeannie Buss. Right now, I would say. You know, she has to take some t- uh, a small amount of time to just kind of reset and prepare. You know, just kind of get in the calm before the storm. I would tell her, you know, take that we're in uh, Thursday right now. I'll see you on Monday. Take a long vacation, long weekend. And then when you get back, it's time to get to work because they have decisions to be made. And uh, I don't know. I can't speculate of what the Lakers are going to do. Because I have no idea. I'm telling you, I, I was just speechless. I was so stunned. And, you know, I was... At first I thought, wow, this is great content for the show. I can't wait for Thursday. And as I started to think about it more, I realized this is the worst thing that could have possibly happened. Because it's so overwhelming. And it's so much so fast. That I, I don't even know what to say. I have to be dead honest with you. It's just so much... I, I really, I, my first thoughts were, I was shocked. So I didn't have first thoughts. My first thoughts were nothing, were blank. I was stunned. And then I tried to think about it and I tried to elaborate more and I just couldn't, I couldn't see a, a potential road of what the Lakers are going to do because there's so many, there's too many options and not any of them seem really that great. So I'm going to tell you what I think they should do. If I were Jeannie Buss, which I'm glad I am not, because she has a mess on her hands right now. But if I were Jeannie Buss, if I were in charge, of the, or if I were me and I were the owner of the Lakers, um, this is what I would do. And it may not be the wisest decision. Um, it may not be the rational decision, but this is what I would do. I think this is your best course of action. Number one, Rob Palenka needs to be fired. Rob Palenka looks great right now because everyone's, you know, tearing down Magic Johnson as they should. Um, and we're going to get to, you know, Magic. Or let's get to Magic first specifically, and then we'll talk about what the Lakers should do. Um, you know, with Magic Johnson, quite frankly, should be ashamed of himself. He should be disgusted when he looks in the mirror because this is, this is shameful. To just quit, literally just say, I just pack it in, I give up, waving the white flag throwing in the towel, I'm done, you guys figure it out, I'm good, I'm out, 
And that's literally, well, not literally, but basically that what he was, that's what he was saying. Here's the quote of the week for you, you know, pairing it in with this first segment. Quote, I want to go back to having fun. Magic Johnson. So I'd rather go, you know, sip mimosas in my, in my Italian vacation with Samuel Jackson, with Denzel Washington. I'd rather go do that than, you know, than actually commit to making the Lakers better. And I'm not going to lie. Hey, if you had that choice, I'd rather go hang out with Samuel L. Jackson too. But every action, I mean, you have to have some level of responsibility for your actions. You have to take some level of responsibility. You can't just, how convenient is it for you, Magic Johnson, that you can just throw in the towel and say, hey, Jeannie, Rob, it's up to LeBron too. You're bailed out, bailed out on LeBron. Just, it's up to you guys now. Figure it out. I'm done. This is too much for me. You guys take care of it. I'm good. And he didn't even have the decency to tell Jeannie Buss face-to-face. She found out the same way that you and I did. LeBron found out the same way you and I did. Magic Johnson did not even have the courage to tell Jeannie Buss or LeBron or Matt, um, excuse me, Rob Palenka or even Luke Walton, I'm done. And it came down to uh, he did not want to fire Luke Walton. Well, he did want to. This is what frustrates me even more. He wanted to fire Luke Walton, but he didn't want to physically fire Luke Walton. He didn't want to be the one to do it. And that's just just cowardice. It, It truly is to not want to get your hands dirty. To not want to, especially when you're Magic Johnson, you had Paul Westhead fired. You had no problem with getting a coach fired as a player, but you have you're not courageous enough to do it as a executive. That's kind of a double standard when you ask me. I don't, I don't think that's an acceptable answer. He said he did not want to be at odds with Jeannie Buss, who he considered a sister. Now, while I may believe that is true, I don't believe that you love someone so much that you just quit your job. That you just, I can't, I'd rather not do this at all than to be upset with you for a while. And they already had their differences, so it was uh, leaked. I think it was in the S... Well, I can't even know which newspaper it was. But there was a story that came out earlier this season that said Magic Johnson wanted De'Aaron Fox and Jeannie Buss did not. She wanted Lonzo Ball because it was a better quote-unquote business decision. Well, you sided with Jeannie Buss there. If that is the case, if that story is true, then you sided with Jeannie Buss because they took Lonzo Ball. And uh, I guess this is where you draw the line. You say, I can no longer agree with Jeannie Buss, so I'm just going to quit. I'm, d- I'm done. I-, I can't do this anymore. It's not for me. Um, and I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's uh, a noble at all. Just to say, I'd rather go have fun and do what I like to do than actually commit. Oh, by the way, this is the most important summer in the Lakers organization's history. And I'm done. I don't want to be a part of it. It's too much. You guys figure it out. Good luck, though. Good luck. And then he has the, the gall, the absolute nerve to say, I look forward to assisting the Lakers in any capacity that I can. Apparently, any capacity that does not include being the president of the Los Angeles Lakers. Magic Johnson said, I will help in any way that I can going forward. So not only am I not, I do I quit? I quit. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to pick my spots. I'm going to help when I want to help. 
And I think that's just utter cowardice. Now, I know some people are sticking up for Magic Johnson and saying, well, good for him making a personal decision. He should do what he wants to do to make him happy. Yeah, sure, but also he signed up for this job. He chose to do this. And it's not right that you can just quit and turn it off. There's plenty of people who don't like what they're doing in their lives right now. But they can't quit because they have family that they have to support. They have their job that they need to do that they're getting paid for. And I just think it's completely unfair to Jeannie Buss, to Luke Walton, and to the Lakers players. Lonzo Ball, the players that are already currently on the Lakers, they're, I mean, utterly screwed. I wouldn't say utterly screwed, but they're in a very tough situation. They have to answer questions now about this who, I mean, were completely blind. I told, Magic Johnson told nobody. No one knew about this except for Magic Johnson. So the players now have to go up in front of the media and answer questions regarding Magic Johnson, a situation that they were unprepared for. And they have to support him. They have to answer the correct way. Um, and it's just, it's just completely unfair and cowardly. It, it really is just to check out at the last second. Right, and mind you, going into the summer, the draft is coming up. Who, who, who's going to make that draft selection? I have no idea. Um, the free agency has come up. And the reason Magic Johnson was brought into the Lakers in the first place was to lure free agents. And he is pretty good. I will give him that much. Magic Johnson, his, his charisma is, is quite frankly unmatched. That much we know. He's Magic Johnson. Okay. And how much did LeBron want to come to L.A.? And how much did Magic lure him to L.A.? We will never know. But Magic Johnson did have a private meeting with LeBron James. And LeBron James signed with the Lakers. So that much I will give him credit for. And I would assume, had he stuck around, he would have made a pretty good case to any free agent of his choice. Would he have signed someone? I don't know. I don't think so. But Magic Johnson makes a very compelling case to join the Lakers because he's Magic Johnson. If there's anyone who could sell the Lakers, it's Magic Johnson. If there's anyone who could sell UCLA basketball, it's Bill Walton. You know, they're equivalent in that, you know, love for their teams. And you, you, you quit, you bail out right before even that. So you didn't even stick around for the one job that you were brought in to do. I understand. Now, this is not on Magic Johnson. This is on Jeannie Buss. Magic Johnson is not... A front office executive. He's not a, a cap room uh, wizard. He's he's not an analytics uh, you know extraordinaire. He was brought in to bring in free agents. So he should have just been brought in to do that. And they gave him the whole job, and he didn't like it. And then he said, "I don't even want to bring people in because he was sick of tampering," which I understand as well because tampering is is just it's a ridiculous fine. It's a ridiculous term. Um, but I think it's just completely and utterly unfair and cowardly, you know, to the the organization that brought him in tears during his uh, his press conference. I love this organization like like no one else. But uh, I'll see you next year. Good luck. Um, so that bring what does now that organization do? Being the Los Angeles Lakers, what is Genie Bus's next step? I have no idea. I don't. I would say she has no idea. This is complete. Again, he told nobody. He told nobody of this decision or his feelings about wanting to exit the Lakers. 
leaving them completely blindsided and unprepared for the future, which is also cowardly and unfair. So I would say Jeannie Buss knows about as much as the Lakers as we do right now because she hasn't had time to think about what she wants to do or you know do going forward. Um, and again, this is we're going back to this. If I were Jeannie Buss or if I were the owner of the Lakers, this would be my next steps um, you know, in trying to rebuild the franchise again. Um, and step number one, fire Rob Palenka. Rob Palenka needs to be fired immediately. And there's already a report that came out that said not only is he not going to be fired, his role is going to increase, which I think is utter stupidity. Rob Palenka, like Magic Johnson, is not a front office executive. He's never had any experience in the front office prior to this job. He's a sports agent. He was Kobe Bryant's agent for most, if not all, of his career. So there are Laker ties there. But he's not Daryl Morey, not Danny Ainge. He has no front office experience. I don't understand how you could... If Magic leaves, that's fine. Rob Palenka needs to get out as well because he had as much of a hand in constructing this year's roster as Magic Johnson did. And Rob Palenka right now is just... Got to give it to him. He's being a pretty smart guy. He's keeping real quiet. He's letting everyone tear down Magic Johnson because of his decision, which I, you already know how I feel. I think it's absolutely despicable the way Magic Johnson can just quit and leave scot-free and have no kind of repercussions whatsoever. Um, so Rob Palenka is staying real quiet, and he's, let, he's letting the storm pass. I think that he should not go unnoticed. Rob Palenka, if Magic Johnson is gone... Rob Palenka should be out because he had as much a hand in this team as Magic Johnson did. And he's not a front office, um, you know, he's not, he has no front office experience. I think the Lakers need to go for an experienced uh, season, um, you know, GM. Someone who can handle the storm that is heading the Lakers' way. Because again, like I said, you have free agency coming up. You can't have a first-time GM or a first-time president running, you know, riding the ship as you're trying to land a Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, anybody, Rob Palenka needs to be fired. Number two, I think this is unwarranted, as I said before. It's, this whole disastrous season is not his fault, but I think it's inevitable at this point. You have to fire Luke Walton. Okay, I think it's, it's just too much turmoil for him, for the team. It's been in the, I mean, in the news and the media all year long, and I have no idea if they're going to fire Luke Walton or not. Jeannie Buss still to this day did not want to fire Luke Walton. That's what Magic Johnson cited as his reason for resigning for the Lakers. He didn't want to be at odds with Jeannie Buss. So he'd rather fire himself than fire Luke Walton. So that tells me Jeannie Buss wants him around. But it's, been, it's just way too much speculation and way too much drama concerning Luke Walton. None of it is his fault. He didn't warrant any of this. But in the media, LeBron has basically adopted the, the, the reputation of a coach killer. Um, whether that's fair or unfair, I think it is fair. Uh, depending on what your opinion is, uh, that's, that's fine. I, I mean, you can argue both sides. But it's been, I mean, even before any of this Magic Johnson drama, uh, since day one, Luke Walton has been on the hot seat. Since day one of signing his contract, not even day one of LeBron coming to Lakers, since day one, Luke Walton became the coach, he's been under the gun. So I think it, it's about time to move on. Um, I, th- I think they have to go forward. And then um, the reason I say that, this is the reason why I think you should fire Luke Walton. You don't want the same scenario you just got through. Because the whole, not, number one, LeBron James, he likes to have, he likes his specific 
Uh, I'm not going to say posse. I'm not Phil Jackson, but he likes his he likes his guys. LeBron James wants a coach that LeBron James likes, and I understand that superstars all the time want you know coaches that are going to fit you know their play style. Fair, um, and it seemed like Luke Walton just wasn't gelling with LeBron James or vice versa, whatever the case may be. Um, but that wasn't even the biggest knock against Luke Walton. The biggest knock against Luke Walton was that Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka did not hire Luke Walton. It was Mitch Kupchak, Jim Buss, and Jeannie Buss. So you don't want to hire a new GM or president, which I think they should do, but it doesn't look like they're going to, and then hire another or keep Luke Walton or fire Luke Walton, bring in another guy, and then have the, bring in a new GM. You have to fire Rob Palenka and hire a president slash GM or both first. You have to do that first. That's the first domino. Um, and potential suitors for that job, there's Jerry West across the hall, though I do not think he would take this job. Uh, you know, he left very unceremoniously uh, from the Lakers. I, I think he, he despises that organization. I, there's no way that would possibly happen. Uh, Pat Riley from the Heat, another former Laker, um, ties with LeBron. Now, there is a history there. Uh, LeBron, in his Miami days, obviously played under Pat Riley, so there is a kind of intrigue there, I would assume, though I, though I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see him leaving Miami for LA. I, I just don't see it happening. Happening. Uh, David Griffin, who also has a history, LeBron James. That I don't love because then you're just uh, bringing in. There already, there's already been talks about um, bringing in Kyrie Irving as a free agent and then trading for Kevin Love. Like you're, you're just going to make the Los Angeles Cavaliers. Like I don't love that idea. Uh, and here's a name that might shock you someone that's still out there Sam Hinkie, the guy who revolutionized. And pioneered modern GMing. Not just in basketball, but the way franchises are run in America. Sam Hinkie invented the modern day franchise. Trust the process, the tanking, building through the draft. And he was fired because at the time, like I said, he was a pioneer. He he, um, revolutionized the way people operate their teams. Because it was new, no one liked it. He was fired because Philly was bad, and they were bad for a very long time. But he built the foundation of the 76ers. He, he um, brought in Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Um, and then when they fired him, they brought in the Colangelos. How did that work out? Talking about the 76ers. The 76ers fired Sam Hinkie, brought in the Colangelos. That did not work. That, that did the opposite of work. And they drafted Markel Fultz, someone who I personally like, as you may know. But... They already got rid of him. That hasn't worked. It didn't work out for the 76ers. I hope Markel Fultz turns out to be a good player, but that pick was another waste for the 76ers because they got rid of it. The Markel Fultz is no longer at Philly. He's in Orlando. So, that, I mean, that was a mistake. If you keep Sam Hinkie, who knows who he... I mean, that's, that's a big what if. You, know, you don't know who he takes. Does he draft Jason Tatum? Um, does he even trade with the Celt- make that trade with the Celtics? Does he draft De'Aaron Fox? No one knows. I mean, we're, we'll never know. But... I do think Sam Hinkie is someone that the Lakers should consider. Should they take the route of rebuilding? And here's the st- that's which is the route that I would say they should. T- I think it's the wisest move to rebuild if you're the Lakers. Because you're not going to land any free agents with this current mess. You're not. I don't see any possible way or outcome the Lakers land a marquee free agent with this current mess. Because they don't have a lot of time to kind of reset, you know, reset everything so anyway you fire rob palenka you bring in a new gm there's these are just the potential candidate my potential candidates uh pat riley there's a bird out here pat riley uh jerry west 
David Griffin and Sam Hinkie, the biggest wild card. I, I don't think that would happen, but that would, I would love to see that happen. I'd like to see Sam Hinkie come back uh, into the NBA, get his hands on the Lakers, and kind of, and then he would eventually he would blow everything up, and they'd have to rebuild. But I think that's the wisest decision uh, as far as the long term. Look, like, the 76ers are set up for the next 10 years with Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and then think if they were to re-sign Jimmy Butler, you know they they're they're set up for the long haul. Um, then you fire Luke Walton. And you let your new GM bring in a choice, a coach of his choice, excuse me, uh, and the coaching staff as well. If you want to save some money and not go get a marquee name, uh, uh, Brian Shaw, sure. But they were talking. Magic Johnson was talking about firing the entire coaching staff, so I don't think they would they would uh, promote Brian Shaw. Uh, and then you can start to talk about the well, the draft number one, and then free agency. But if you go the rebuilding route, the Sam Hinkie route, which is what I would, this would be my decision. I would trade LeBron James. Not because LeBron James is deteriorating. Not because he didn't play well this year. He can't make free throws. Which, I mean, statistically, he had a good year. But optically, if you watch the games and you watched him play, he was not LeBron James. It wasn't the same. Whether he was uninterested or he was uh, sincerely hurt. Well, I mean, of course, not that he would fake his groin injury, but how the severity of the injury, we'll never know. Um... I think you have to move on from him because there's no way you can reset the, the table. There's no way you can properly rebuild with LeBron James still on the He's not a rebuild player. LeBron James is still the best player in the league. He's not going to sit around and comply um, if you're trying to rebuild. So I think you need to move on. For, you're never going to get equal value for LeBron James. That we absolutely can guarantee. But... If you get rid of LeBron James now, you can start rebuilding now, conversely, uh, from two years from now. Excuse me, my uh, laptop's going off. I'm going to mute it. Um, so you can rebuild now versus having to rebuild in, in two years when his contract is up, or excuse me, when uh, he de- uh, inevitably declines his player option. So you get a two-year head start. And rebuilding, especially if you have Sam Hinkie, takes a while. It does take a long time. But you have to commit. It, it's supposed to take a long time. You're not going to rebuild in two years. It's, that's not going to happen. If you want a proper rebuild and building through the draft and uh, you know, stockpiling your young players and then eventually at the very end sign a uh, marquee free agent, it takes about four to five years. Literally. It takes that long because you have to start tanking. You have to draft the right players. Then you have to do it all over again. It takes a while. It takes a long time. So I'd rather get a two-year head start if I'm the Lakers than wait two years for LeBron to leave or retire, whatever the case may be, and then start. So I'd rather get it done two years earlier than wait. Um, and two, he's just, he, just, he doesn't deserve to be a part of the circus that the Lakers are currently. I would send him back to Cleveland, potentially. Or I don't know. I would send, I'd ask him, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? We will accommodate you because it's not, this isn't LeBron James's fault. Some of the season is his fault because he's the best player. You can't, I mean, if he's the best player in the team, some of it has to be his fault. It just has to be. Most of it, as I've said before, is on the front office, but I would put like 10, 20% on LeBron James just because he's LeBron James. But I, w- I would say, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to the Clippers? you want to stay in LA, but you don't want to play here? Fine, go to the Clippers. I would send him, I would do that and get anything in return. And then I would start to rebuild uh, that way I would go that route I would honestly decide because 
and I know this is, seems like it's kind of drastic, Willie, and I'm tired of hearing, well, did you know before LeBron was hurt, the Lakers, everyone knows the Lakers were the fourth seed. Were they going to win a title? No. Were they going to get to the Western Conference Finals fully healthy? No, probably not. So I don't see how this, and it's going to be the same team. This is why I say you have to rebuild because it's going to be the same Lakers roster this year as it's going, it's going to be the same next year as it was this year. Because they're not going to sign anyone. Kyrie Irving had some level of interest. As he said, he was going to grant the Lakers a meeting. That is basically out of the window. Because again, this is before Magic Johnson. And there was no, again, I can't stress this enough. Magic Johnson told nobody. So it wasn't, I know Magic's considering resigning, but I'll give them a meeting anyway. No, this, I mean, this was completely before. And he had no idea that Magic was feeling this way. So I would say, as of right now, Kyrie Irving is probably out on the Lakers. Whether he wants to stay with the Celtics or not, that is a different story. But he's not coming to Tinseltown. That is not going to happen. Absolutely no way. Absolutely no way. And then what do you do with Lonzo Ball? Then you have to trade him. And you can't, uh, can't package him with Brandon. Because I know what you're thinking. Well, get Kyrie and trade all your young asses for Anthony Davis. Wrong. Because you can no longer trade Brandon Ingram because of his health condition. Uh, a lot of teams are going to be out on him. And Lonzo Ball and Cal Kuzma and Josh Hart are not nearly enough for Anthony Davis. So you're not, none of that is happening. The Lakers have to reset and uh, rebuild. So I would trade LeBron. At this point, I'd, when it first came out in the room, which said the Lakers trade LeBron, I scoffed. I said, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Now that we've reached this, um, you know, this disastrous point in the Lakers, you know, season, I would say it's not that crazy. And in fact, I would do it. I would trade LeBron and try to rebuild from the ground up. Whether that includes this current young core or not, uh, I don't know. And quite frankly, I don't care because, like I said, rebuilding takes you know a long to five to six, maybe seven years. It takes a while. So are any of these guys going to be on that team anyway? Probably not. The one guy I would keep is Brandon, Ingr- Brandon Ingram because he seems to have the most potential and he has shown the most out of the three young players being Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma. And you're not going to be able to trade him anyway because teams are going to be out. He has the same condition as Chris, Chris Bosch had, um, though he had surgery and they said it was corrected, but teams are usually skeptic as they should be. Um, but I, that'd be the one guy, if he's fully healthy, I'd keep Brandon Ingram out of all those three. That would be my pick anyway. So maybe one guy you retain going forward. Um, and this is kind of the opposite of what the Lakers were expecting to be. This is the exact opposite position that the Lakers were expecting to be um, you know, at the beginning of the season. Whether they miss the playoffs or not, you always assume the Lakers are going to be in the running to sign one of these guys. They are done already, and it's not even May. It's not even May, and they're out. They have to be. Whether I mean, whether the Lakers themselves pull themselves out or the players are just disinterested, which I think that's the second one. The players are not coming to L.A. and playing for that circus. Um, they're done. They're not getting anyone. Therefore, they're not getting better. Does this team fully healthy? If they bring back all their veterans and... I don't even think they would sign Chris. Why, if you're Chris Middleton, why would you go to the Lakers? You're on the number one seed in the East. You're playing with Milwaukee and the Greek freak who's going to be there for another 15 years. Why would you go to LA? Let's just say for the sake of the argument, they add Chris Middleton. Are they title contenders? No. So, what's the point? The Lakers are about winning championships. It's not about being relevant. You're relevant if you're winning championships, not the other way around. So, I think the Lakers should rebuild and blow it up. This is the hand that they've been dealt. It's been an utter mess. 
And that disaster scenario that I've, been, I've told you guys about and I predicted a few months ago if they didn't land Anthony Davis and they didn't land Anthony Davis. Now, the way we got here was I had no idea. Magic Johnson resigning, uh, LeBron getting hurt. They, I mean, all this was crazy. But basically, we got to the point I'm trying to make is we got to this point where the Lakers are in, I mean, disaster mode where their only option is to rebuild and blow everything up. That's why I feel if you go that route, who better to rebuild a basketball team than Sam Hinkie? He built the 76ers. He invented the way modern franchises are built today. Literally, look at the way the Astros won a championship. They tanked and tanked and tanked for years. All their players were drafted. Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, George Springer, Carlos Correa. The core of their team, and those are some of the best players in all of baseball, ladies and gentlemen, were all drafted by the Astros. Took a long time, and they won a World Series. And mind you, because all those guys are young and they were homegrown, the Astros are built for, I mean, World Series contention for the next five to ten years. So there's that. The Cubs, the same thing. Now, the Cubs, it did not work out the same way. The Astros are not built for longevity, but they won a World Series. They did. Um, and even, mind you, the way they won a World Series, they traded away Glaber Torres for a role as Chapman. Glaber Torres was in their farm system as well. So if they had kept him, they would still be primed for more success. Um, but I don't, I don't hate that move too much because, they, again, they won a World Series. They got a championship. Okay, the Rams, the same thing. People focus on you know, the free agency signings as they should because those were big cogs in their, in their team. But the core of their team was all drafted. Aaron Donald was, a dra- was, a, was drafted by the Rams. Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, Robert Woods. So, or no, excuse me, not Robert Woods. Uh, that's, that's a lie. Robert Woods was drafted by the Bills. That's my mistake. But Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, and Todd Gurley. But the big three, I would say the most important three players on that team were all drafted by the Rams. So the way modern teams are run was invented by Sam Hinkie. It, 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 it's, that's just a fact. That's a, that's, um, a fact. Excuse me. Kind of got a little tongue-tied there. But that's the truth. Sam Hinkie invented the way franchises are run uh, in the modern day. Tanking, rebuilding. There's a reason why Adam Silver has, is trying to anti-tank and anti-build because those teams are the best. And if you look at the best team in the league right now and the, past, and the, the best team for the past four years, the Golden State Warriors. And what did they do? They rebuilt through the draft. They only brought in one guy through free agency. His name is Kevin Durant. And even if Kevin Durant wasn't on that team, the Golden State Warriors, Warriors would still be perennial title contenders, even without Kevin Durant. They wouldn't be, I mean, just favorites. I mean, that's the only team that's relevant, but they'd still be really good. It's not like the Warriors wouldn't be terrible if Kevin Durant didn't go there. They'd be beatable, but they, I mean, they'd still be really good. So there's a reason why Adam Silver, it's not that Adam Silver is afraid of teams that are bad. He's afraid of those bad teams becoming so unbeatable that you have a power shift like you do with the Golden State Warriors. So if I'm the Lakers, I think they have no choice but to rebuild. And again, I mean, not that they don't have it. They do have a choice, but the right choice, and the Lakers haven't made many of those in the past 10 years. So, I mean, it's unlikely that they're going to go that route. But I believe the right choice is to reset and rebuild. Um, And on that note, let's talk about some teams who are actually good at basketball. With the NBA regular season ending last night, the NBA playoffs are set. Let's move to something actually 
fun, something that's, you know, less, uh, you know, eye of the storm, apocalypse, you know, war of the worlds kind of stuff. Let's talk about the NBA playoffs. These franchises are actually good and they're actually well run. They actually have good players and the proof to that is they're in the playoffs. So enough about the Lakers. I kind of didn't, and it's funny, I guess we're going back to the Lakers. I said last week to myself, not on the podcast, but I was thinking, I don't want to talk about the Lakers anymore. I'm so sick of them. There's no reason to talk about a lousy team. They're no good. They're not newsworthy. And then Tuesday came around and I said, well, that kind of made my decision for me. Um, But now that we got that out of the way, the Lakers are not relevant until July 1st again. And they're only relevant because of the Lakers. And they're always going to be in free agency contention, but I don't feel that they're going to sign anyone anyway. So in that case, they're actually, they're really not. But let's talk about now. Let's talk about teams that are actually good. Let's have some fun. Because I don't know about you, but that I kind of bummed myself out because, I mean, the Lakers are that depressing. Let's talk about the playoffs. Here is our 2019 Crowd Noise official NBA playoff bracket. Because we couldn't do a 64-team bracket, we're narrowing down to 16 teams. Now, what is 64 divided by 16? Let's try to narrow it down. Um... That's because that's what we're, we're that's what we're narrowing it down to. So 64, let's see, divided by 16. We're going to the Google calculator here. Four. So we have uh, four times as a better chance. Or yeah, our our bracket should be four times as good because 64 divided by 16 is four. So therefore, our our bracket should be four times better than our last one. So here we go. Uh, we're gonna start off in. Let's start off in the east because the west is not as fun i'm sure you can guess why um it's not going to be as fun to predict so let's go ahead and do the eastern conference the one eight matchup uh the milwaukee bucks and the detroit pistons now if this were the 1970s or the 1980s i would be stoked about this matchup the bad boys and uh you know well kareem had long been uh he had long since left to la so maybe not so much the 80s but you know the point is these teams are not who they used to be Specifically Detroit, they're not very good. Uh, Blake Griffin has been injured. I believe it's with a groin or with a knee sprain. I'm not entirely sure. I have to be honest with you. But do you know what Blake Griffin is out with? No, you don't. So don't try and you know shortchange me because I don't know what Blake Griffin is up to these days. Uh, I like the Pistons in the sense that I like Andre Drummond. I think he's the best rebounder in the league. Now that's not a really glamorous stat and not a glamorous title to be the best rebounder in the NBA. So that's why you may or may not have heard of Andre Drummond. That's why you may or may not care about this uh, hot or cold take of of Andre Drummond being the best rebounder uh, in the league. But they're the eighth seed for a reason. They don't have tremendous guard play. Um, They're they're just not very dynamic. And you're playing a team that is extremely dynamic. They can come at you so many different ways. the Bucks, but they are kind of hurt. The, the Bucks are a little bit injured. They kind of stumbled towards the finish line towards the end of the year. They lost uh, Malcolm Brogdon, which is a huge piece. He's not a superstar point guard. He's not a stud, but he is a very good starting point guard, and he fits great uh, for this team. He can shoot, he can defend, and that's the kind of balance you need around Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, you, need, you need some shooters because Giannis cannot shoot very well he's developing his shot but it's not fully developed um so Malcolm Brogdon he's not out for the entire playoffs it's you know he can probably come back by the Eastern Conference finals maybe if he pushes it by the second round or the semifinals uh but that's not this so they're gonna be without Malcolm Brogdon 
I can't see the Pistons an eight seed upsetting uh, Giannis and the Bucks, especially with the home court. I, no way. So I'm taking the Bucks in five games. Really, I think Detroit can probably steal one in uh, you know maybe game five or something like. He could probably steal one in, at home in Detroit. Um, well, he can't steal one in game five and be a five game series. But you know, I think they could steal one at home maybe in Detroit, and then they'll probably come back to Milwaukee and just get stomped on. So I'll take the Bucks in five games. Uh, and going to the two and seven matchup in the East, the Raptors, the Toronto Raptors, and the Orlando Magic. Now the Magic, I don't even know how they got into the playoffs. One, I don't know how they didn't get in the playoffs as an eight seed. Number two, I mean, my goodness, they jumped up to the, the seven seed. Good for the Orlando Magic. Uh, the Magic are, are the same as the Pistons. They're kind of a throwback team. They they, they uh they're centered around their big man being Nikola Vucevic. Uh, he went to USC, fight on forever, but he's not a superstar. He's not on. He's not even Andre Drummond. And I wouldn't say Andre Drummond is amongst the best centers in the league. Just the best rebounder uh, in the league. And Nikola Vucevic is not as good as Andre Drummond. He's having the best year of his career. Nikola Vucevic is having the best year of his career by far. He's doing it all. But after that, there's really not much. I don't even know is Evan Fournier still in the Magic. I believe he is. Um, they're not very. They have Aaron Gordon. That's right. They have Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic. So they're kind of they're kind of built similarly. To the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons have Andre Drummond as their center and Blake Griffin as a four. Uh, and then the Magic have Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon being another you know, spectacular dunker as a four. So they're built very similarly. And similarly to the 1-8 matchup, I'm taking the higher seat here. I'm going to take the Raptors. I think the Raptors will probably sweep them. Uh, you know, they were really hot. At about midway through the regular season, then they kind of cooled off a little bit. They didn't go into a slump, but they just they weren't as dominant as they were earlier. But Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, um, you know, I don't I don't see them losing uh, in the very first round to the Magic. I think they sweep, so I'm going to take the Raptors at four. Uh, and then the next matchup here, uh, the 76ers and the Nets. Now this one, I like, I love the Nets. I think, in fact, going back to free agency during the summer, I think the most attractive destination in the NBA this summer should be Brooklyn. Not the Nick, not the Knicks, not the Lakers. No one else. I think the Nets are the best team um, to to sign with uh, this summer. I would say, if I were a free agent, that'd be the destination for me. I would say because the Nets are already good. They're already a good team. They have plenty of money. You're playing in a big market. Um, and they have a young team. They have D'Angelo Russell, obviously. Spencer Dinwiddie behind him, the greatest basketball player in the history of sports. And then they have young Jared Allen, who's a great um, young center. He's a great rim protector. But I don't see them dethroning the 76ers. No way, no how. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Jimmy Butler. I don't see any way they can beat them in a seven-game series. I think this one will go five as well, which is kind of harsh on the Nets because I think, I mean, could potentially go to six. But the 76ers are a really good team, you know, and they're balanced now. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler can add some shooting. Obviously, still J.J. Redick. Um, is it T.J. McConnell? No, McConnell. What the heck? And I got to go look it up again. T.J. McConnell is one of my favorite players, and I don't even know his name. But he's like, a, you know, he's like a J.J. Redick in the sense that he's like, a, you know, he's just a spot-up shooter. Yeah, it is T.J. McConnell. He's only six foot, oh, six two. I shouldn't say only. But in the NBA, yeah, you're only 6'2". So, uh but T.J. McConnell gives them some, you know, shooting off of the bench. I'll take the 76ers in five games here. I don't think that one's too hard of a decision. And then the Celtics and the Pacers. Now, this one might be the most highly contested series uh, in the East. But I don't, I don't, it might be the most as far as seeding because you don't know what the Celtics are going to 
you know what? You don't know what you're going to get from the Celtics. And I'm kind of confusing myself here because the Celtics, they're kind of like without an identity right now. I, I said I was sticking with them a few weeks ago and I wasn't selling stock. And that was on their, their California road trip where they had won like they had won like five or six in a row or something like that. They were steamrolling teams uh, out west. And then they kind of just came right back down to being the, you know, the, the grumpy, you know, inconsistent Celtics again. And Marcus Smart is uh, out with a strained oblique uh, for most likely the entirety of the playoffs. But the Pacers are without Victor Oladipo. They have, I thought they would fall out of the playoffs. I have to be honest. I really didn't think they would be relevant. Once Victor Oladipo went down, I thought they were done and they're not they're at the fifth seed you know so they didn't get home court but you know that's a respectable seed so I you know I have to give it up to the Pacers but in a seven game series with Boston you know for the most part healthy you know they're losing Marcus Smart but it's not like last year where they're missing their two most talented players um and you give Boston home you know a home court advantage in seven game series I think this one goes six but I am taking the Boston Celtics. There's no way I'm, I, I can't see them losing the first round. As dysfunctional as they've been, I don't see them losing in the first round. To the Pacers, who are without their most talented player, uh, Miles Turner is a great. He's a great player, but he's not the soul of that team. That's Victor Oladipo. So I'm going to take the Celtics uh, in the first round. So that leaves us with the Bucks, the Celtics. I need to look at the uh, the playoff bracket here, so I, I know where. I think I believe it's the. Uh, Excuse me. The Bucks and the Celtics and the Raptors and the Sixers. Yes. So it went completely chalk. It went completely chalk for our first uh, first round in the East. And that leaves us, yes, with the Bucks and the Celtics. So going on to the Bucks and the Celtics now, I can only say it so many times. Uh, in a seven-game series. Ah, this is really, really interesting, this series, because Boston should be the best team in the East. They really should be. And they have not been all year long. They've been one of the worst teams in the East, actually, all year. Because, And I say that because, obviously, they're not worse than the Hawks or the Cavs. But we expected the Hawks and the Cavs to be terrible. We all expected the, the Celtics to play to breeze their way right into the finals this year. And it's been anything but a cakewalk. And they're playing the best team, not only in the East, but in the league. The Bucks have the best record in all of basketball. Um, and here's why. Here comes a shock a little bit. I'm going to take the Celtics in the seven-game series. Uh, they beat Milwaukee in seven games last year. So that should lead you to believe, well, if it took them seven games to win last year and they're worse this year, the Milwaukee should win wrong. If, here's and here, it's a big if, if the Celtics can go back to playing defense the way they played in last year's postseason, I don't see how Milwaukee can beat Boston in the seven-game series again. Even though they're not going to have home court, it's going to be flipped. Last year, Boston had home court advantage uh, in the one, and this year, Milwaukee has home court advantage. Will they win? That is yet to be seen. But I will take Boston uh, in seven games. I will take them in seven games because I do think they have more scoring options. Obviously, they have Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, uh, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford. They have a deeper roster than Milwaukee. Milwaukee has the best player. Giannis Antetokounmpo, but that's it. That's kind of where it stops. They have Eric Bledsoe. Who is that? Um, I can't wait for that too. I hope we get that because we're going to get the Celtics-Bucks rivalry again from last year. And they're probably still going to be without Malcolm Brogdon, who I think really is going to be a vital piece for them 
uh, if they're going to make a playoff run, they're going to be without him. So I'm actually going to take the Celtics in seven games to upset the Milwaukee Bucks in the East. I know, big shocker. I'm kind of shocked to myself. I, I'm, I'm a little tentative about that pick, but my gut is telling me, go with the Boston Celtics. They are a better team than the Milwaukee Bucks. They haven't been playing it. They haven't been playing like it. If I told you in the beginning of the year the Celtics are better than the Bucks, you would have said, yeah, of course. It's just the Celtics have not been living up to their potential. In fact, they've, they've been playing really awful. Like I said, they're, they're really dysfunctional. They're kind of, you know, discoordinated. But if they can turn it around, if they can kind of rally together, and once the postseason comes around, it's like a whole different ball game. If they can all just put all their differences aside and just play basketball, the Celtics are the better team than the Bucks. I will take the Celtics in a seven-game series. Uh, now the, what are we, the Raptors and the 76ers. Now this one is a pretty interesting uh, matchup. These teams are probably the most um, evenly... I guess you could say talented with each other. I mean, they're they're the most even team. This series is probably another seven-game series. Uh, it, game seven would be in Toronto uh, because they are the two seed. The 76ers are the three seed. Uh, and kind of conversely to the Bucks and the Celtics, the Raptors have the best player. They have Kawhi Leonard. Uh, they have the best player in the series. But the deeper team are the 76ers. They have more. They have Joel Embiid. Um, and then they have Ben Simmons, obviously, and Jimmy Butler. I think, and then they added Tobias Harris as well. They have a really great team. I think of the, I think the 76ers beat the Raptors in seven games. I think they're just too deep. I think it will be a seven-game series, meaning they're going to upset Toronto on their home court. I think the series will go the distance. But however, I do think because they have so many more scoring options than the uh, than the Raptors, and they they're they're much deeper. I do think, and they added to they added to their bench. They added Boban Marjanovic. You know, he's kind of like a meme player right now. Like everyone, like kind of like makes jokes about him and stuff like that. But he's a good player. He's a solid addition off the bench. He could protect the rim and he can get you rebounds coming off the bench and take some pressure off of Joel Embiid. So I do think the 76ers are deeper. I do think they are a better team, and I will advance them into the Eastern Conference Finals. Right? It would be the Eastern Conference Finals, wouldn't it? Yeah, they're going to go ahead and play against the. Uh, this uh, Boston Celtics. So I'm not going to go do the conference finals yet. Now we're going to go over to the West, uh, which we have number one, the Warriors and the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers, I w- I'm not going to take away from the Clippers and say they squeaked their way into the playoffs, but they're not beating the Warriors. Um, you know, and they, it's a great season for them. I do think they'll push the Warriors maybe to five, a five-game maybe do a six game, you know, because they do play really good defense and the Warriors are like the Celtics are kind of dysfunctional a little bit. Um, but uh, the Warriors are just, they're not going to lose to the Clippers. I'm going to take the Warriors in five. I'm saying five. I wouldn't be surprised if it went six. I would be shocked if it went seven. I would be absolutely stunned beyond belief if the Clippers won. Um, but that's not going to happen. So I'll take the Warriors over the Clippers in that one eight. Then the two seven, the Nuggets and the Spurs. This is going to be, I think this will be a seven game series. Or at least a six-game series with a potential for seven. Uh, the Spurs are a good team, you know, and they're in here uh, at the seven seed. I think they're a little bit better than that seven spot. They're probably the sixth best team in the West, if we're if we're being honest. Or maybe that's not even true because the Thunder are the sixth seed, and I don't think they're better than the Thunder. But the Spurs are no slaps. They're no pushover. They're the Spurs, and they do play defense. And they're the Spurs. I don't know how else to say it. They don't have any. They have one superstar in DeMar DeRozan, but he's not a world beater. He's not one of the top 10 players in the game. I wouldn't say LaMarcus Aldridge Aldridge also, I would say, is a a good player, but not a top 10 or 15 player in the league. 
but they're the Spurs. They give a lot of teams problems uh, in the playoffs and you know in the seven game series. I do. I will take Denver in six games, but I do think it'll be a very tightly contested six. Uh, and potential for an upset here. Potential for a 2-7 upset. I really do think the Spurs are going to give them a run for their money. But this kind of seems like, you know, the one last hurrah for Greg Popovich, really. Uh, I'll take the Nuggets, uh, the Joker, and Jamal Murray in six. Now, here's one that may raise your eyebrows a bit. The 3-6 and six matchup, the Portland Trailblazers against the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm actually taking the upset here. And I'm actually taking it in six games, not even seven. The Thunder are by far the better team here in this series. I'm not going to go as far as to say they have the best player in this series because I love me some Damian Lillard. Paul George probably is a better player slightly than Damian Lillard because of his, you know, his defensive prowess, but I love Damian Lillard. I don't think it's, you know, night and day Paul George is that much better than Damian Lillard. But after Damian Lillard, Who's the next best player? C.J. McCollum. And who's the next best player in Oklahoma City? It's Russell Westbrook. So, I mean, that's I think that's what it comes down to. I do think the Thunder... And the Thunder, honestly, should be the third seed. They are probably the, the third best team, if not the second best team, as far as talent in the whole West. They're kind of, you know, underachievers this year. They Not kind of. They are underachievers. You bring back Paul George... And uh, you have aspirations, you know, maybe they're the new, quote-unquote, the new Rockets who are going to challenge the Warriors, and you end up as a sixth seed, really underachieving. But I do think they're going to pop the Trailblazers, which is unfortunate because I love Damian Lillard so much, and this would be, what, the third straight year he loses in the first round? I mean, very unfortunate stuff for Damian Lillard. But I am going to take the Thunder. I think they're just, they have way too much defense, kind of like similarly to New Orleans last year who gave... Portland problems they just overpowered Portland with just defense I mean they just completely shut down Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and after that it was done they do have some more depth this year with uh not Nurkic Ennis Cantor excuse me they they added Ennis Cantor they picked him up off of waivers from the Knicks they have more depth this year um but I don't think it's going to be enough and the Thunder have they have plenty of depth as well and they have Steven Adams you know the strongest man in the NBA so I'm taking the Thunder here in an upset in six games, potentially five. I'm not going over. I'm actually going under. I'm saying six, but I would not be shocked if they got it done in five games, really. I mean, and he, actually, I should say five because the, the Blazers got swept last year by a less talented team uh, than the Thunder. They got swept by the Pelicans. So I should be saying five games, but I'm going to go six here because I do respect Damian Lillard, and I do think they are deep enough to steal a game or two at home, but I do think... Uh, the Thunder are going to win the series in six games. Uh, then number four and five, the Rockets and the Jazz. Now, this is a rematch of last year's playoff series, and I do think it's going to be similar to last year. I actually think um, the Rockets can and will sweep the Jazz, and that's kind of, it's a little bit tough to say because I love Joe Engels. Uh Rudy Gobert is a great, uh, great rim protector, great rebounder, classic uh, big man, but I don't see... Obviously, the Jazz, I don't see them winning the series, but I don't even think it's going to be that tightly contested. I do think the Rockets are just going to overpower the Jazz with shooting as they, like they did last year, and they're just going to be a little bit too much for them. James Harden, Chris Paul. Uh, I want to take the Rockets here in four games, maybe five. I will say, I will say this much for Utah. They do have the best t-shirt giveaways. Now, this is not something that should be ignored. If you remember last year's playoffs, they did 
it was just fantastic. When they beat the Thunder in that, was it the first round? Um, they had like a... Well, they gave away the t-shirts, but the way they did it, they stacked the rows so it looked like a sunset because, like, I guess Utah is, like, a really flat state, so you see a lot of sunsets. I don't know. I don't know the history of Salt Lake. But they gave away, like, orange, red, yellow um, shirts, so it all it was color-coordinated. It was fantastic. They were just so They were loud. They had all kinds of organized chants. So I can't wait. I am looking forward to hear you know, or to watch the games in Salt Lake City. And then they did another one. It was, like, a purple... It was purple, silver, white, kind of like the throwback um, colors when uh, Stockton used to play there in Carl Malone. That was fantastic. But my personal favorite was the Sunset one. Those were great. And that was the game that Ricky Rubio dropped like a triple-double on Russell Westbrook. I couldn't believe it. And Joe Ingles, he dropped like uh, like 800 points on Paul George. It was unbelievable. They're not going to win the series, but I can't wait to see uh, the T-shirt giveaways this year. They, they're, they're the best. I have to say, they are the best T-shirt giveaways uh, in the postseason. Uh, and good for them. They're not going to have to spend much money on. on they're only, they're only going to have to do it for two games because they're not making it in the second round. So I hope to see the best from the Jazz because knowing if they know they're only going to have two games, I want to see the best possible you know color schemes uh, that they can think of. So moving on in the second round now, we now have or how would the how would it work now because they didn't go chocolate in the East. Who does the sixth seed play? I have to zoom in here. I don't actually have. I wrote down the bracket, but I'm not wise. I didn't, this is my fault. I didn't actually like set it up in the future. I just wrote down the first round matchups. Okay, so they will not, like in the NFL, it's the lowest seed remaining plays, the highest seed remaining, stuff like that. It's not like it's a bracket in the NBA. It's not like how it is in the NFL, but I was as confused as who as to who plays who. So the Warriors will play the who's who won the four and five now i'm confusing myself here okay the rockets so the warriors will play the rockets in the second round and uh, we get a rematch of last year's western conference finals i don't think it will be as tightly contested uh if the warriors and the rockets are fully healthy the both of them shouldn't be too big of a surprise who i'm taking in that series um the rockets very nearly beat uh the warriors last night i don't want to hear about the hamstring um not because i don't like the rockets but because I think it's just so overplayed. It was a year ago. And I think the Rockets are, are, are sick about hearing it. Because if you're a, if a competitive player, you don't care about injuries. You don't care about what if. You still feel you should have won the series anyway. I do think this will go six games. But I do feel like the Warriors are just going to overpower them. Um, you know, they just have... They just, they're the best team in the league. They just have way too much to throw at you. Um, and they're, the Rockets are not as deep as they were last year. They lose... Obviously, with the, you know their losses in, in free agency in the summer this year, they're not as deep as they were last year. And I think that's what gave Golden State a lot of problems was the depth. Because obviously, their starting lineup is better than anyone. But that's kind of where they fall. That's the trade-off. Their bench is not as deep as most other teams uh, are the Warriors. And the Rockets were able to exploit that you know, with just constant scoring rather than scoring bursts. And I don't think they have that same kind of strength this year. So I'm taking the Warriors in the second round and that leaves us with the thunder and the who's the two seed here the nuggets okay excuse me i'm trying to look at what i wrote and then look at a, bla- a bracket from last year i couldn't find this year's bracket um that's on me i should have i should have put like the image of the bracket on my little word document here but anyway the thunder and the nuggets now how faithful are we in the denver nuggets going in the postseason this year how faithful are you in the Nuggets even making it out of the first round? It's a real possibility. 
that they could be upset in the very first round of the playoffs by the Spurs. I would not put that past Greg Popovich. I don't think it'll happen, but I do think it's a real possibility. And like I said, the Thunder should realistically be the second best team in the West. If they play to the potential, the Thunder would be the number two seed. They could potentially be the number one seed because the Warriors don't really take the regular season that seriously anyway. They could be the number one seed, but as far as talent and depth, the way that I think the Thunder are the second best team in the West, that's just my personal opinion. They are underachievers. And the Nuggets have been overachievers this year. Generally, in the postseason, the underachievers in the regular season play a lot better once it comes to the summer. And then the overachievers in the regular season, they kind of stall out and implode in the postseason. So I'm actually taking the Thunder in five games in this one as well. I think the Thunder really, which is kind of a shock because Russell Westbrook in in years past in the postseason has really kind of stalled in the postseason. So history says I'm dead wrong here on the Thunder turning it up. But because they've been so, like they've trended downward all year, I think it's time for them to kind of spike uh, you know, obviously they have playoff P. Juan. As long as he doesn't play Joe Ingles, as long as the, the Thunder do not run into the Jazz, Paul George is unstoppable in the playoffs. Uh, you know, outside of Joe Ingles, there's no one in the West who can stop Paul George. So I do think the Thunder are going to upset the Nuggets and make their way into the Western Conference Finals. Now, what kind of a turnaround would that be for their season? Because they kind of struggled. At one point, they were the eighth seed. Like a week or two ago, they were the eighth seed in the West. They'd climb back up. Uh, to the sixth spot, and maybe this was strategic. Maybe they they tanked purposefully to get this kind of you know this favorable road uh, to the Western Conference Finals because you get Portland in the first round, who I think they can beat. Then you get the worst case scenario, you get the Nuggets, who I definitely think they can beat, and then you run into the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. So now we have we have our final four, and ironically, this this uh, bracket, this sixteen team, this sixteen team bracket. Is taking about as long as our 64 team bracket did to make. Um, so let's go to the Eastern Conference Finals now. Who do we have? We have the Celtics and we have the who was our other team? I didn't even write it down. God damn. I didn't even I didn't even write the teams down after. So we have the Celtics for sure. That much we know. They beat the Bucks and I can't oh in the 70s, that's right. Okay, the 76ers. Thank you if you were shouting at me. I didn't hear you, but it just came to my mind. Let's write down the Western Conference finalists too. Okay, the Warriors and the Thunder. This was a very discoordinated episode of Crowd Noise. I apologize for that, but this is about what you should come to expect. Um in a seven-game series, the 76ers would have home court over the Boston Celtics. And it's kind of shocking that I have the Celtics going this far with the way that they've been playing. But if they can make it this far into the Eastern Conference Finals, who is to say they cannot win the Eastern Conference Finals? I think this is going to be, obviously, this will be the, this will be the better series of the two Conference Finals. That much is clear. Uh, or maybe even, maybe not so. Not, that might not be true. But anyway, I do think this will be the best series of both Conference Finals. I think this will be the best series of the playoffs. I think this will be more exciting than the NBA Finals because the Warriors... They didn't destroy basketball, but they, they destroyed postseason basketball. I will say that. I think this one goes seven, and I'm actually taking the Boston Celtics here, which is just, it's so, it's so hard for me because I, I, I told you guys a few weeks ago I was not selling stock on Boston, and then I looked really well because they were, they, they were balling out in California. It was their West Coast trip. They beat the Lakers. They beat the, 
Kings, the War. I think they beat the Warriors. They beat everyone in California. Uh, and then they came back to the East Coast, and they were terrible. They were really, really bad. But I do think, especially when it comes down, we saw them play last year, and it was a five-game series. It will be more competitive this year. This one will go seven. But what I noticed more so than anything across that series was how outmatched Brett Brown is in comparison to Brad Stevens. I do think this game will come down to some possessions, some sideline inbound plays, you know, some last-second buzzer-beater play. And I, Brad Stevens is in a class of his own, especially when you compare him to Brett Brown. He's a far better game manager than Brett Brown. I do think Brad Stevens will win this series for the Celtics. Kyrie Irving will probably have a few game winners. Um, it's going to be a great... I hope we get this. I sincerely hope we get a, a 76ers Celtics Eastern Conference Finals, and I will pick the Celtics in seven games, um, you know, beating the 76ers on the road. I just think they are the better team. They're the best team in the East as far as talent and as far as expectations. They have, they've been underachievers, and that's kind of been the theme of my bracket so far with the Thunder making the Western Conference Finals and the Celtics making the NBA Finals is I'm kind of riding with the underachievers in the regular season who I expect to turn it up in the postseason. So I will take the Boston Celtics uh, in the East. I feel like they will win the East. They'll turn it around. They'll figure something out, and they will find themselves in the finals. Now going to the West. This one, I hope, I hope this one goes seven, but I think it will go six. The Warriors and the Thunder. What a matchup. What a fantastic. We get Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant in the Western Conference Finals playing against each other. We obviously get Kevin Durant when they have to go on the road to OKC. I would love to see this series. I think both of these series would be great. It's not like last year where like where the East was kind of the where or excuse me, the Western Conference Finals was the finals. You know, like the the, the actual finals themselves were terrible. Both series will be good and I think the finals itself will be good, but this is going to be some some series. Both of both conferences, East and West, are going to be great. I think the East one will be a little bit better because it's a little bit more competitive, but the West will be uh, great as well. Again, it's just hard for me, and it, it seems like I'm kind of copping out here just saying the Warriors are better than everyone. But the Warriors are better than everyone. I mean, I don't see how the Thunder in a seven-game series can beat the Warriors four times. I do think it will go seven games. Um, but I do think you know it's going to come down to Kevin Durant. I think he's going to have one heartbreaking buzzer beater in OKC. I just have a gut feeling like it's going to all these games are going to come down to one or two possessions. And I do think Kevin Durant is going to have one dagger buzzer beater three to win the game in OKC, and that's going to be the difference in this series. I will take the Warriors in seven games over the Oklahoma City Thunder. So we're back to what I predicted way back when in in like September or October or whatever. Because I did my preseason bracket predictions, all that stuff. And it's pretty similar to what I had back then. Except back then I had the Lakers as a three seed. So it's not the same, but it is similar. Um, but in that bracket, I did have the Warriors and the Celtics in the finals. And at the time, it looked great. Because the Celtics were, I mean, they, were, they had so much hope going into the season. And, you know, it's not like they had so much hope and they're like the Lakers who are looking out. I mean, they had so much hope, but they've underachieved. Uh, I don't think this series will go seven games. I think this series will go six games. But I do feel like the Warriors will win comfortably. I think it'll be a comfortable six. They'll probably drop one in Boston and maybe one 
uh, in Golden State. And think about this. Boston has confidence playing against the Warriors because they beat them in Golden State. Now, that was one of Golden State's worst games of the year. But a win is a win is a win is a win. So I do think this series will be competitive, but not to the point where it goes seven and it, it's over. It's just a toss-up. I do feel comfortable about picking the Warriors here. Um, and I do think they'll win in six games and get themselves a three-peat. And then we'll see about the summer. So this will be, have a big impact. The way they should win the finals. That much we know. They should run through the playoffs. How well they play, I feel, will be um, a deciding factor for Kevin Durant and maybe even Clay Thompson if and DeMarcus Cousins as well. If any, if all three or two, any combination of the two come back next year, how well they play will determine if these players will come back. Not if they win, because they're they're going to win and they should win. But how well do they play in the postseason, I think will have a big factor to play in this summer, this offseason. So there you have it. The Golden State Warriors over the Boston Celtics in six games. Um, and I feel pretty com- I feel pretty good about this bracket. I really do. Um, feel pretty comfortable with my picks. It's not March Madness. You're not going to see these huge upsets, so eight over one, especially with these one seeds. I, I, I doubt you're going to see any upsets, but there, I have some upsets in there. You know, I think the Thunder, like the Thunder is the biggest one as far as seeding. And, you know, I think they're going to make the deepest run. Uh, but the East, I think, will pretty much go chalk. The only upset in the West being the Thunder twice. And uh, yeah, the Warriors are going to win the finals. That's what I feel. I think we have some interesting series here. Uh, Sixers and uh, the Celtics. Um, the Thunder and the Trailblazers. The Thunder and the Warriors. I think the Thunder are going to be the most popular team in the playoffs this year. I think we have some interesting series here. So I hope I'm right. More so because I just I like being right. But even more so because I want to watch these playoff series. I think they'd be really entertaining, really fun basketball. So that is our episode for this week. We already did quote of the week kind of in uh, in the Lakers segment in the top of the show. So if you kind of missed that, maybe go back and, uh, you know, try and find that and that, uh, try to find that needle in the haystack. Um, the Masters are today. I've been, I missed, I'm missing the Masters currently. I didn't schedule this episode for yesterday being Wednesday, like I did for opening day and like I did for March Madness because the Masters go all weekend. I, if I miss Thursday, I'm okay with that. I can, I can watch Friday. Uh, Saturday and Sunday. So make sure you watch the Masters, everybody. The Masters is lots of fun. It's a very um, decorous event. There's a lot of pageantry involved, and it's fun to watch. I, I know it, it's golf. You may not, you may may not think it's fun, but it, I would suggest you give it a try. I am going to watch the match. I enjoy watching the Masters. I am suggesting it to you because I know you probably don't watch the Masters, but I would suggest you do. I cannot wait to watch that. And the NBA playoffs are coming up next week as well. So, I mean, definitely, I know you're going to watch that. So, uh, enjoy the games or the uh, matches or the tournaments, whatever you want to call it, for this weekend. I will talk to you next week.